The Old Testament reading today is taken from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 28 to 32, and it is from your pew Bible, page 914 to 15. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, and the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. This is the word of the Lord. Please open your pew Bible to Ephesians chapter 1. Our New Testament lesson is taken from the first chapter in the book of Ephesians, found on page 1173 in your pew Bibles. And we'll be reading uh, verses 11 through 14. In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were first put to our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning we continue with the Apostles' Creed, and those of you who are shrewd will notice that we have uh, conveniently skipped over that he shall come to judge part. Uh, Don't worry, we'll get to judgment next week. So... You know, next week will be a lot more fun. Um, Now, this morning we get to discuss the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost. And and what a great day it is. Um, You know, Andy and I both were lamenting um, beforehand we forgot to wear our red. But aside from that, I think that, that there is, you know, much to talk about this morning. You know, the Holy Spirit is this thing that, that we sort of understand a little bit, sometimes depending on how we grew up or or our tradition, we talk about it more often or maybe less often. You know, some of us, unfortunately, have had bad experiences with this. Um, Some of us maybe have been told because we don't practice a certain uh, gift or a certain uh, way of worship that we actually aren't really saved. Unfortunately, the Holy Spirit has been used to discourage believers or to isolate sections of believers. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to look at our text in Ephesians and I want to talk about this phrase in the creed that I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Spirit. What are we saying? Because we all have different stories, don't we? We all have different interpretations and different ideas. 
I mean, in a room this size with this many people from around the globe, I'm sure we all have stories about, oh, I one time went to this church and you wouldn't believe what they did, you know? I one time went to this church and you couldn't believe what the pastor said. So what are we saying when we say we believe in the Holy Spirit? Well, we believe as believers in Jesus, presupposing all the things before this in the creed that we've talked about in recent weeks, that this is the next step, that after believing in God the Father Almighty and Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, that we believe in the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And in this, the Apostle Paul says that we were marked with this seal. That our God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and this is that third person of the Trinity. And we know this story, and I'll just graze over it quickly, that uh, at the time of Jesus' death, the temple veil was torn in two. It fell down, and the Holy of Holies was opened up, and that the, the, the presence of God left the temple. And then, Acts chapter 2, at Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles and the believers. And that from then on, that those who would believe in the name of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit was also imparted to them. I love, as, as, as Matt read in Swiss German, I love that at the end, the world sees the Holy Spirit and thinks, oh, they must be drunk. You know, it actually says, if you continue reading, when, when Peter stands to address the crowd, he says, it's not even noon yet. We're not drunk yet, you know. No, the Holy Spirit is something that has led to much confusion, but for us... For the church, it's something we cling to, isn't it? Many of you may know this, and we'll discuss this more in our class after, after the service, that the, the word for spirit in Hebrew is, is ruach, or breath. And that the ancient Hebrew people often believed that the Holy Spirit was almost like the breath of God, this thing that, that gives us very life. And when we say we believe in the Holy Spirit now, today, we're ascribing to the theology of the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians that says that our bodies have become the temple of the Spirit. When the veil was torn in the, in the temple in Jerusalem with Christ and hit through his resurrection, we now become the Holy of Holies. We now become the resting place of his Spirit. And what we're saying is then is that this, this should affect everything we say, everything we do, everything we think, all of our relationships. The Holy Spirit, when we interact with people, is so important because in a way, they are interacting with the very presence of God in you. For what purpose? He says it twice in our passage, in verse 12 and verse 14, for the praise of God. For the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit exists here and now in the life of the believer that God would be praised. We are bringing the presence of God to this earth. And in verse 13, he says, you were invited to this. You were invited to this calling to bring the presence of God to earth through your belief and affiliation with Christ. So whether you count that as your, the day you became a Christian, the day you were born again, the day you were baptized, the day you confirmed your baptism, whatever it is that you count your affiliation with Christ... This is the day the Apostle Paul is saying that you were then marked with the presence of God in your life. And so too, like the Holy Spirit came to proclaim Jesus Christ, we also do the same. 
that the presence of God has come into our lives through the miracle of Pentecost to dwell with us, to do great things, to be a helper and a counselor, as Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14 and 15. So what does it mean for your life then? What does this actually look like? Again, in 12 and 14, Paul says it's for the praise of God's glory. Let me be clear here that God's glory is our job one. (laughs) Right? I always say um, the phrase that this is day one stuff. (laughs) Right? That our job, that our goal is to bring glory to God in the highest. And this is our goal. This is the purpose. The same God gives us the spirit to point to his glory. And in doing so, not only are we able to point to the goodness of our God, like we talked about in Psalm 138, that everyone would know who this God is. But God also says that through his spirit, we are never alone. Think about that. We are never alone. Yet we feel alone sometimes, don't we? Yet we feel abandoned sometimes. You know, one of the number one problems in this world today if you read psychology things and you look it up and you just you know, get on the internet machine and, and Google this stuff, it's loneliness. People feel alone. We're more connected than we've ever been. The world is getting smaller. Any one of us with a credit card can fly around the globe tonight. And yet we feel alone. And why, if we as Christians are supposed to be predestined according to this passage for this great work through the work of the Holy Spirit, do we feel burdened? Do we feel regret? Why do we feel dissatisfaction? Or even sometimes worse, we feel like failures if God has given us this Spirit. And I'm not saying we don't try, right? We all try. Of course we try. We're doing all the things we ought to do. We're trying. We're doing the things we think we should do. Yet in the church, we are subject to the same burdens that people in the world feel. We suffer from loneliness and depression just the same as the outside world. We suffer from from loneliness and self-doubt. We struggle with self-worth sometimes. And so what do we do? We look for help. And in the Western world especially, we have all these systems to help us, don't we? We have coaches. We have coaches that match us with a better vocational fit. They give us the physical tools to be successful in the workplace. We go to counselors to help us with relationships and and to help with past hurts in relationships. We go to therapists to tackle maybe some problems in our, our personality or disorders from past trauma and past issues that have happened. Internal things sometimes even beyond our control. And all of these things are good things. These are blessings that we can go out into the world and find professionals who can help us, that can help us with some of these issues. These are good things. But let me suggest to you that these things, these these therapists and these coaches and these counselors, all of which, as I said, good things, are incomplete without the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. See, Jesus said very clearly to his disciples that he was leaving us an avenue for help. He was leaving us an avenue for guidance. And we need these helps, but but, but to really experience these things, to find a way to live in the glory of God, we need to experience the Holy Spirit. To find fulfillment, we need to experience and live with the Holy Spirit. But this is where the difficulty is. (laughs) 
A friend of mine and I were talking this week and she said, Sam, I get it. I need to be with God. I need to be with the Holy Spirit. I need to be doing these things. But how? How is the question, right? Like, how do we physically actually do it? Right? Like, how? Let me suggest this. This morning, this afternoon, I suppose, friends here at IPC. The Holy Spirit is the how. We have sometimes thought in humanity... People have sometimes thought that we can control the Holy Spirit. People have tried to say, okay, I'm going to take the presence of God, I'm going to wrestle it into submission, I'm going to make it into a genie to do what I want it to do. Many have tried to do this. Many have tried to take the gifts of God and use them for their own glory, not God's glory. This is why you have preachers and TV preachers with private jets, embezzling funds, These men, these women may have one time had the Spirit of God with them, but they took it and they said, no, I'm going to use it for my own benefit, for my own glory, and unfortunately there are great consequences that come from this. Many critics of the church have heard how people have given their last pennies to wealthy millionaires with private jets, hoping that the presence of God would heal or help them. Church, we cannot take the Holy Spirit to control for our own ends. We cannot take the presence of God to do what we would do but according to this text, that we would do it according to the will of God, which is predestined for his glory. We must not have this approach with the Holy Spirit that we can control it. Nor can we simply lie around and wait for some miracle to change us. Okay? I've met many, many, many Christians in my life who say, oh, I'm just waiting on God. You know, I'm just, just, just going to pray and wait on God. That's fine, but how's that working out? <laughs> You know, has the Holy Spirit miraculously come into your life and, and, and overcome all of your sin and you've stopped sinning all of a sudden and you've become more patient and gracious overnight? I've heard stories like this, but I've never met anyone who this has happened with. Most of us in the middle are trying to figure out how to worship God better, trying to figure out how to be better people, trying to overcome sin, and yet we struggle and we want to know how. Let me suggest this morning, church, the way that I've found this to be true. And this is something that is difficult for me. It's the word connectedness, or being connected, both to God and to others. If you look at verse 11, when the Apostle Paul is talking, he says, in him we were also chosen, we communally were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. God has predestined something. God has preordained something that we would all come together for efficient purposes in unity that we would all be unified in the spirit of God to bring glory to God. So, if this is true, there has to be this communal element to the Holy Spirit. What I mean is this. Yes, we all have individual gifts. We all have individual things that we like to do and that are good at. But I believe that the gifts from God are for the purpose of mutual beneficial in the church, in the spirit. As one community, we are all marked, as it says here, that we are marked with a seal, this Holy Spirit. We know we are saved by grace and there's nothing we can do to earn it. But church, through the, through the spirit... Through connectedness with one another and connectedness with God is where we begin to overcome the things that we need to overcome. 
See, people talk about things like boredom, laziness, resentment, loneliness, a lack of fulfillment. These are all symptoms of a disconnectedness from the church and from God. And of all of these, as I said, loneliness is one of the biggest problems. Social science researchers define loneliness as emotional state created when people have fewer social contacts and meaningful relationships than they would like. Relationships that make them feel known and understood. Where do we feel known and understood? What better place than brothers and sisters in Christ who have the same eternal destiny stamped by the Holy Spirit to feel known and understood than this room? Than the church down the street, than the church where you came from, than the church in every single one of these languages we heard this morning. We are here for the glory of God and through the power of the Spirit to be connected to one another and connected to God. This is why God gave us the Holy Spirit, to be known and understood. All of our searching, all of our desires to be fulfilled, to be in relationship, it comes through the power of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a genie to do miracles in our life. Miracles may come, but I really believe one of the primary purposes of the Spirit is that we would be connected that we would be connected with God and with one another. And and if we really want to see this in the church, we need to be disciplined about it. We need to do some work. I said this before, and I I hope this makes sense. I, I say this whenever I talk to people. We need to work hard to do nothing. Okay? Think about vacation. What do you do in the weeks leading up to vacation, right? Oh, I'm so excited for vacation, so I'm going to do really, really hard, and I'm going to make sure I get all my work done so I don't get too many emails. And then we're going to work really, really hard to clean the house and get everything put away and make sure everything's organized so that when we leave, we can do nothing. Okay, I want you to think about that for your spiritual lives. We need to work hard so that we can do nothing. We need to work hard to clear ourselves of the busyness and the chores and the noise we use to distract us from God so that when we come into the presence of God, we can sit and do nothing and allow the Holy Spirit to nurture and care for us. I talk about spiritual disciplines all the time. Many of you know I like talking about these things a lot. And he, in his book, um, I forget the book it was, but... In one of his books, he talks about how we need to be renewed. And one of the things he says is that there's two things that can really help a community and an individual find this renewal. So when you want to know the how, I'm just going to give you two things that we can all work on together. The first is solitude, and the second is community. Believing in the Holy Spirit means to be serious about both solitude and community in our life. Solitude is what I'm talking about when I mean work hard to do nothing. (laughs) Unbusy yourself. Actually, take a Sabbath. And when I say take a Sabbath, I don't mean take a Sabbath to do your chores. I don't mean take a Sabbath to do other things that need doing, to pay bills or to catch up on letters. I mean take a Sabbath where you actually work hard to clear your schedule so you can sit and do nothing. What would that look like? And you actually, in that, not, that time of nothingness, are able just to pray a simple prayer and say, Lord, show me what you want through the power of your spirit. And in community, 
church, what would it actually be like to listen to one another? To sit down across from someone and not have your agenda in mind, but just to sit and hear about who that person is. Or in a group, to sit in a group and hear those other people. Many of us can share testimony of how impactful this has been in our own life through home groups or or through mentoring and discipleship, all of which we offer here at the church. But in community, we need to take that thing we learn in solitude, we need to take the things God is teaching us one-on-one and just share it with the body of Christ. That other people might be encouraged or that we, if it's a burden and if it's a struggle, that other people would help bear our burdens to hear what God might be doing in the lives of others so that you can help bear their burdens. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, you see. It unifies us to God and it unifies us with each other. We are not alone, but church, simply being here is not connecting with people. As someone who is really good at pretending (laughs) to be social and pretending to connect with people, I know what it is to fake it. Many of you in this room know exactly what it is to come here, give just enough of yourself, and go home and still feel alone. Many of you know just what it is to come to your home group or to come into whatever situation it is and just pretend. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him a seal the promised Holy Spirit. Church, we all have the same seal. We all have the same goal. There's no reason to fake it. There's no reason to pretend to be genuine. Let us be genuine and bear one another's burden. Let us be genuine and share what God is doing in our life. Let us be real with God and work hard so that we can do nothing and allow God to heal us. Why do we shy away from these things? It costs us emotional capital, it costs us control, it costs us vulnerability, and we don't like it. But if we shy away from these things, let me suggest that we're confused about the purpose of the Holy Spirit. If we really believe in the Holy Spirit, as we're talking about in this creed, then we believe we are all unified. We believe that our brothers and sisters in Christ go through the same thing we do and have the same spirit that we do, the very presence of God in our lives that gives us fulfillment, knowing that all we say and do can bring God glory. And when we also continue to live in a world of these shoulds and oughts, rather than passion and desire for the good things God has designed us for, we miss it. What are we going to do about it? Think of those two things. How can you invest in silence and solitude more? And how can you invest in community? Because that's up to you. Your pastors, your friends, they can't make you connect with God. They can't make you unbusy your schedule. They can't make you invest in other people's lives. Will you create space for God to make a new rhythm in your life? Will you create space for God to bring him glory to the praise of his glory? You know, Psalm 138, a couple of verses in, the psalmist says, I prayed and asked, and you gave me a boldness of soul. Will you ask God to make you bold in your soul through his very spirit like the psalmist? So I challenge you. Find a time when you can work hard to do nothing. (laughs) Maybe it's just 30 minutes to be quiet and alone and ask God 
how things are going. No reading, no prayer, no agenda. Maybe it's longer. Maybe you're like me and silence and solitude is not the struggle, but connecting with other people is the struggle and it's really connecting, not just pretending to connect. Maybe you need to find a group or individuals where you can be vulnerable, honest, and actually be heard. Church, we're all busy. We're all overworked. There's way too much noise in this world. We want to hear from the Spirit. I hear it all the time. How do I hear from the Holy Spirit? How do I hear from the Holy Spirit? We have to work hard to do nothing so that we can actually unbusy ourselves, quiet our minds and our hearts to actually hear from God. And I just want to say that in in my experience and in my life, when I've done these things, when I've connected with other people, when I've invested in, in silence and solitude and in relationships, I've seen and felt the Holy Spirit move in ways I could not imagine. See if you don't begin to see and feel the Holy Spirit, because just saying we believe in the Holy Spirit is not enough. Saying we believe in the Holy Spirit is saying we believe our lives can change and that we can be connected to God and to one another in a way that surpasses and overcomes all of these things that burden us. Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank you. Thank you for sending your spirit. Thank you that through our belief in your son, we not only have forgiveness of sins, Lord, but we have your very presence in our lives. Father, let us remember that you are our counselor, you are our helper, you are our hope. While the help and the the things of this world, Lord, are gifts from you, Lord, that ultimately we seek the fulfillment of all of our lives through your power and your presence. Lord, may we breathe your breath that you would fill us up. God, we give you our hurts, we give you our struggles. We give you our fears, we give you our doubts. May the power of your spirit wash over this place and remind each of us, your church, that through you is healing, through your presence is community, and that you desire to speak, to share, to love, and to teach us, your sons and your daughters. We pray this in Christ's holy and matchless name. Amen.